Hello, and welcome to Huguenot Podcast, episode 145. Today we're going to continue going over the Poetic Eddas, but, but, or, I'm sorry, the Eddas. But before we get into that, I have a quick bit of station news. Reminder, you can check out my website at hugenhoff.org. That's www.hugenhoff.org, H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. And you should check out Steve's books. You can find those at Amazon. Just type in Stephen Oaks. He's got a bunch of books these days, so lots of stuff to choose from. My book's out there as well, uh, Lightbringer by and Rogers. Easier way to do that is just go to the show notes, and there's links to all of that stuff. And uh, Steve's blog, too, is there. <clears throat> anyway, that's pretty much it for the station news, so I'm going to jump right in because, um, because I like this book. So, we're still reading the Eddas. We'll continue doing this for a while, and the way we have been, where I purposefully go on tangents. Uh, where were we, though? All right, I may do a little bit of repeating. I believe last time we talked about Volksbong, which is Freya's Hall, and remember half of the Einherjar, not half of the Einherjar, half of the like best warriors who are slain in battle go there and Frey actually gets first pick and Odin gets second pick or yeah uh, those are the Einhariar who fight in Ragnarok and I believe we talked about that what does that mean looking to the future the next cycle all of that stuff uh so I'll just start there but I won't go in to detail because we've already talked about it. There is a place called Folksvang, and there Freya is in charge of alighting seats in the hall. Half the slain chooses each day, and half or half the slain she chooses each day, and half has Odin. Sesramnir, her hall, it is large and beautiful, and when she travels, she drives two cats and sits in a chariot. She is the most approachable one for people to pray to, and from her name is delivered the is derived the honorific title whereby noble ladies are called Frover, noble ladies. She was very fond of love songs. It is good to pray to her concerning love affairs. So, a little bit more about Freya. And I think it's interesting that the gods are not one-dimensional. It's not like, oh, Freya, she's the goddess of love, and she does love things. Or, oh, Freya, she's the goddess of war, and she does war things. Or, oh, Freya, she's the goddess of death, and she does death things. She does all those things. You know, just like real people in real life, we're not defined by one thing. I mean, things may be part of my, or our identity. You might be like, oh, Byron is a person who really likes playing video games and D&D. But that's not who I am. Those are just two things I happen to like. I also like Norse mythology, obviously. That's why I'm going over this. Um, I'm also true. That's part of me. And I have kids. That's part of me. And I have a family. There's all these different things that are part of us as individuals. We are not one-dimensional. You know, when you watch a TV show or read a book, especially if it's not very well written, the characters are very one-dimensional. There's a thing that defines them. But in real life, it's a little more complex, and I like this because it's showing the gods are a little more complex than that. Freya is a very complex god. Uh, all of them are. If we're talking about Frigga right, or Freya right now, and just because I did that little slip, Frigga and Freya, in my opinion, are very different gods. There is an idea that they're the same, and I just don't think that's true. Um... Freya has a lot of aspects to her. The whole 
the whole idea of um, Seder magic and the whole talking with the dead and having half the battle slain is part of her. But then she's very much a goddess of love songs. Um, she's very much a goddess of love, I mean. It says here she was very fond of love songs. But that's because she's a goddess of love. So she's got multiple different aspects. I also like how it says she's very approachable. Again, just like people, some people are very approachable and some people are not. And that doesn't mean that the unapproachable people are bad. I don't actually consider myself all that approachable. I'm, I'm not rude. I'm just not an outgoing person, and generally speaking. It doesn't mean that makes me a bad person. It just means I'm less approachable than other people might be. And there's other people who are more approachable, and that doesn't make them good. It just makes them more approachable. So the gods have personalities. Odin is less approachable than Freya. Freya is, she's just very approachable. Um, and you know, it's good to know the personality, I guess. Yeah, it's good to know the personality of the gods. So it's saying here that Freya is very approachable she's appropriate if you were going to do any you know asking for help or advice in you know affairs of love she'd be the one to go to there so uh oh and i think it's interesting not interesting i think it's cool that she drives a chariot pulled by cats two cats because i just feel like cats capture the essence of freya with their grace and strength and intensity there's just something about an independence there's something about a cat that very much reminds you of freya and i don't think that's an accident i don't think that the gods just pick rando animals to be their patron not their patron but like their animal like you know odin is most heavily associated with the raven also the wolf and thor is very associated with the goat because the goats pull his chariot and it's not they're not just in fray the or they're not just picking random animals. I think those animals do tell us a bit something about the gods. And I think that cats very much define Freya, in my mind. I don't. That's partially my view of cats, partially my view of Freya, but I just feel like the cat is a really good animal to say, like, this is the feeling of Freya. So I wanted to pull out, point out that cats pull her carriage. All right. Um, moving on. Then spoke, then spoke in glary. Most, most important these Aesir seem to me to be. And it is not surprising that great power is with you when you claim to know details about gods and know which one must be prayed to for every prayer. But are there yet more gods? All right, so they're kind of pointing out, and I do think this is probably significant, Especially because there's a lot of talk about patrons. Everybody has a patron god or maybe a few patron gods. I have a patron god. I've always felt close to um, Odin and Bragi. Most people have a patron god. And there could be a misconception. And that's just a god that you feel closest to. Not they're better. Just you feel closest to them. And there could be a misconception with patrons that like, oh, if Odin's my patron, I'm going to have all my prayers go to Odin because he's the one I feel closest to. That's actually not probably how it should work. If your patron is Odin and all your, or if your patron is Thor and all your prayers go to Thor, I'm not telling you you're doing religion wrong. You know, that's your choice. You do what you feel comfortable doing. But I personally think that certain gods 
are just going to have better advice or more advice and be able to help more on certain things. Just like, you know, your best friend in the world might know all sorts of stuff about computers, let's say, um, but they're really techy and they just, they don't write with pens at all. They just don't use pens. So if you had a question about what's the best fountain pen to buy, even though your techie friend's your best friend in the world, it might actually make more sense to go to another friend who actually uses fountain pens because he would know or she would know about the best fountain pens because they have more experience. So I do think it's probably important to mention that, you know, e even if your patron is Odin, if you had advice about love, it probably makes more sense to go to Freya. Uh, so this line, um, where is it? Which ones? Oh, yeah. You claim to know details about the gods and know which one must be prayed to for every prayer. It It is the case that the thing you're praying about or looking for advice about, you should look to certain gods for. So matters of love would go to Freya. Matters of self-discovery and knowledge would go to Odin. Matters of hard work would go to Thor. Matters of poetry to Bragi, etc. All right, so moving on. Hi, Hi said, there is also an ass called Tyr. He is the bravest and most valiant, and he has great power over victory in battles. It is good for men to, of action to pray for him. There is a saying that a man is tear valiant who, surpass, who surpasses other men and does not hesitate. He was so clever that a man who is clever is said to be T-wise. That's T like T-Y. Maybe it's tie-wise. I don't know. It is one proof of his bravery that when the Aesir were luring Fenris Wolf as to get the fetter Glepnir on him, he did not trust them that they would let him go until they place Tyr's hand in the wolf's mouth as a pledge. And when the Azer refused to let him go, then he bit off the hand at the place that is now called the wolf joint, the rest, and he is one-handed, and he is not considered a promoter of, and he, wait, and he is one-handed, and he is not considered a promoter of settlements between people. Might be a typo. Anyway, this first goes into Kenning's, which I love. The rest is the wolf joint because of that story. And that's kind of fun if you're writing a poem or doing something poetic. You can say wolf joint instead of rest. You know, maybe it sounds better. Maybe it rhymes, flows, whatever. Um, but then everybody who knows the story will know what that means. And I just like Kenning's because, you know, there's all sorts of things like that. Um, all sorts of different examples of Kenning's, which we'll come across more of these as we go. Uh, but so I almost sure I am sure that I've talked about the story of Tear in another podcast, but I'll very quickly go over it here just in case anybody isn't familiar. It's a pretty famous one, so everyone probably knows it. Long story short, they had to bind Fenris or he was going to destroy the world. So they put a big chain on him and he lets them do it so he can you know, have fame and prove his strength. He breaks it. They get a bigger chain, put it on him. He breaks that too. Then they get the dwarves to make him a magical chain. And he's like, well, I'm not going to put that on. I'm not going to get any fame for breaking it. And it's probably a trick. <laughs> so then the agreement that they come to is Tyr says, I'll put my sword hand in your mouth. If you struggle and can't break the chain, then you can 
bite it off, a sign of goodwill, so to speak. So he puts his hand in his mouth. This is significant. The wolf struggles, can't break the chain, then bites his hand off. And the reason I say that is significant is because I feel like Tyr could have tried to yank his hand out of his mouth as the wolf was struggling. But he didn't because he understood that he was making a deal with the wolf. He's like, hey, basically, especially in Tears Not Mind, with the knowledge that he had, he was like, you can bite off my hand in exchange for you being bound. So that's kind of a big sacrifice. And I just I like that it doesn't say Tear tried to pull his hand out or something, because that shows that he was willing to make that sacrifice for his kin. Well, and I guess humanity as well. He was he was willing to make that sacrifice. So Tyr is very much a god of sacrifice, among other things. Um, of course, he's also a battle a god of war, um, a god of you know bravery and doing the right thing. So there's a lot of overlaps with him and Odin. Uh, they they kind of have other differences where Odin is more about knowledge but you've got a lot of and poetry but you've got a lot of that overlap where you have like a god of sacrifice because obviously odin sacrificed his eye to the well to pull out the runes and Tyr sacrificed his hand to the wolf and then they're both gods of war so there's there's some overlap between those two gods uh but Tyr's a really um good god to keep in mind uh i i feel like he was probably also a very popular god um but yeah, the idea of strength, um, bravery, and especially this idea of sacrifice, uh, that he was willing to sacrifice his hand without hesitation. I just realized I was going, a oh, lot. I need to stop that. I'll make a point. All right, moving on. Uh, one of my favorites. There, there, there is one called Braggy. There's one called Braggy. He is renowned for wisdom and especially for eloquence and command of language. Especially, he is knowledgeable about poetry. And because of him, poetry is called Brag. And from his name, a person is said to be a Brag, chief of men and women who has elegance beyond others, whether it is a woman or a man. Idun is his wife. She keeps in her casket apples which the gods have to feed on when they age and then they all become young and so it will go and so it will go on right up to Ragnarok okay a couple things to mention here first of all Bragi god of mead which it doesn't mention here but he is uh, especially god of poetry and eloquence he's all about being able to speak um, poetically or eloquently I think we all need that quality you know just to communicate in the world especially back in the day still today less today but still today poetry has a special place an important place for people back in the day it was more important you would have traveling bards who would uh, tell stories basically to survive you know they tell stories and then you know you would give them maybe a place to stay maybe something to eat but you could make your living going around telling stories uh, you know who knows what stories oftentimes about famous people uh, I mean usually famous stories about famous people maybe stories about the gods um, yeah but you could go around and make a living off being famous and even if that wasn't your main job there were a lot of people who would tell poetic stories about kings and stuff like that 
to the king just to gain favor. I think there's an example in Eagle Saga where he tells a story to a king sort of to gain favor. So it was important. It was also like the main way to remember your ancestors and the gods and those who came before them. Actually, the only reason we have this book, the Eddas or the Poetic Eddas or most of the other sagas is because someone made them a poetic story. So they said these words, made them poetic. Later, they were written down. They weren't originally written down, but later they were written down and they were saved during the whole like Christianization of Scandinavia and the rest of Europe. They were saved because they were pieces of poetry, like the Edda put together by Snorri Sturluson. We don't really know Snorri's uh, motivations, but we do know the reason he was able to save these is because he said, hey, these are great poetic works of our ancestors. I'm saving them because they're an example of poetry. Yeah, sure, they also have stories about the gods in them, and it's the only reason any of the lore of the gods saved, but his quote-unquote motivation was to preserve the poetry. So all of our lore and all of our sagas is saved because of poetry. Without poetry, it all would have been lost. Uh, see, I said, uh, again, got to stop that. The scholars wouldn't just write this down so people would know. And if they did, the short version of these are the gods of the heathens would be mostly untrue and probably mostly false. But because it was an example of poetry, you had a lot more leniency and i'm talking about snorri had a lot more leniency to include more things so poetry is actually hugely important i think for also true because it's the only reason it survived and we're not we're certainly not the only uh, religion that that happened to there's a lot of other religious texts that are very poetic in nature and that's the reason they survived but Poetry is really important just because it is a way to uh, immortalize your ancestry and your heritage. And I think they use, I think they knew that. And that's why they have a god of poetry. And in my mind, he's a pretty important god because poetry is the way we connect to our ancestors. Even today, I think that is largely true, especially if you're going back to the Eddas and the lore, you know, Eagle Saga, Njal Saga, stuff like that. Those are all poetic, and it is still a good way to remember the past. Dry history in textbooks is always boring and hard to read, but something poetic is a lot easier to read and digest and remember and internalize. So I think poetry is very important. There's another thing that is almost completely unrelated, but is very important and talks about Iduna, the keeper of the apples. The gods will age just like anybody else, but when they get old, they eat the apples and then they become young again. Okay, so why am I saying that? Because the gods are mortal. And I think that this is, for some people, a misunderstanding or hard to remember that the gods are mortal and they will die. Like mo the vast majority of the gods do die in Ragnarok. There's some exact exceptions. Uh, Magni and Modi, 
Thor's sons, they survive. But Thor dies. Odin dies. Uh, Frey dies. Most of the gods die in Ragnarok. And even before Ragnarok, they're not just magically immortal, if you will. They're not just immortal by their nature. But they're taking these apples to continue to be young. It just reinforces the facts that they are not immortal and that they will die. So I think that's important. Also, I think it's interesting if you take them together. Now, we just learned about Bragi being a god of poetry and Iduna being the goddess who had the apples that kept the gods alive. So in a sense, they're kind of doing the same thing. And remember, but Bragi and Iduna are married. It said that in there, just reminding you. Bragi and Iduna are married, so that makes them connected, necessarily. And now let's look, what does Bragi... Actually, let's do it this way. Bragi and Iduna, married, so connected. What does Iduna do? Iduna keeps the gods alive. They're not immortal by their nature. She keeps them alive by giving them the apples. What does Bragi do? He writes poetry. So how's that the same? Well... Doesn't Bragi keep the gods alive forever by passing on the stories of those gods? He keeps the gods alive like within us. We only remember the gods because of the poetry. So if you take them as a pair, and you say as a pair they're related, they maybe they're doing the same thing. I think that kind of pans out because Iduna is keeping, is less like physically keeping the gods alive, making them not die with the apple. But Bragi is keeping the gods alive in the minds of mortals by passing down their stories and sharing the stories through poetry. So I think that's really cool that you can see they're sort of doing the same thing. Both of them are keeping the gods alive in a different way. Iduna physically and Bragi in the minds of humans. Uh, so I think, it, obviously, when I say physically, I don't mean physically, physically. I guess I mean spiritually, because she and the gods live in Asgard, and that's not a physical place. You can't drive to Asgard or fly to it. It's a, it's a spiritual place. But still, um, I think it's neat to look at it that way. Iduna keeps the gods alive in Asgard, and Bragi keeps the gods alive here in Midgard, in the minds of mortals. Uh, so I just think that's cool and it just kind of reminds us of how important poetry is and how much important and how important stories is because that is how the gods stay alive. But also you didn't just write about the gods, you also wrote about your family. The way you keep your family alive and your family history going is through poetry but also through stories and that is one we still do. Um, I was over at my dad's house, what was it, just a couple weekends ago, going over family history, going through pictures and saying like, oh, this is my cousin and and this ancestor was a sailor and this ancestor got into photography and, you know, telling stories about those who came before us and keeping our ancestors alive through stories. So I think that stories are extremely powerful and extremely important, something we should definitely keep doing. I really hope that when I get older, my kids will be interested enough in their family to come to me and ask me to tell the stories. And I really looking, I'm really looking forward to carrying on that tradition and passing that history through stories down to my own kids. And yeah, you can argue like, oh, well, stories aren't perfect. Sometimes you get things wrong. It's like, yeah, sometimes you do.
but the gist of the ancestors and the spirit of the ancestors are kept alive through passing down those stories. So I really do think that passing along stories is a really important thing, and Braggy's the god of that, so that's cool. Okay, and you know what? Actually, um, I gonna stop right there that's a good place to stop I always like talking about braggy and I'm nearly at time so I'm gonna go ahead and wrap up so final thoughts ancestors and gods are really important poetry is really important uh, the idea of telling stories to keep your ancestors alive in your minds and the gods alive is a really cool thing and I really like that and I really appreciate Braggy because of that yeah and I do know too so I'll wrap up there stories are cool uh yeah I I think that's it uh because like I said nearly at time so I'll wrap up there and I will just thank everybody for listening. I'll remind you if you want to check out my website, feel free to do so. That is hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. And I would suggest you subscribe to the RSS because the podcasts come out around the first half of the month. But it's it's admittedly not a strict schedule that I'm on. I've been doing this for a while and I've admittedly got a little bit lax i should be better but i've gotten pretty lax at when they come out so i shoot for the first part of the month but rather than going back and checking every once in a while just subscribe to the rss it just drops into your podcast player of choice whenever it's out and then you can listen to it so hopefully you got something out of this hopefully you enjoyed it thank you very much for listening and i will talk to you next month for hell.